Stampede. Garner is at number 89, recorded 314 2021. I've got this thing all wrong. Predicting the future isn't easy. Our future is bright. We'll just make a few adjustments and things will get back to normal. But I keep being reminded of my eighth grade teacher, Miss Greenenbaum, and our field trip to Ridge Avenue in Chicago. Actually, I had a few run-ins with Miss Greenenbaum, especially when she caught me yawning during one of our class lessons and in front of all my classmates reprimanded me. As I later learned in life, yawning is a natural condition requiring the intake of oxygen for the normal functioning of the human body. So, 
I've overcome the stigma of that day. But that's not what I remember most about Miss Greenenbaum's eighth grade lessons. She taught an important principle about the natural world. And that lesson was, things are always changing. She made us memorize certain numbers related to geological structures. She took our entire class on a field trip to various places in Chicago to demonstrate how things had changed. And one of those stops was on Ridge Avenue in Chicago. Now, I can't remember the number precisely, but I think it was 300 some feet. You see, Ridge Avenue in Chicago sits above a graduated elevated geological structure. It marks where Lake Michigan had once been thousands of years ago. It's about 300 feet in height above where Lake Michigan is today and is some distance from it. I'd say probably a mile. And that's important to understand because Miss Greenenbaum taught us things never stay the same. Of course, if you're an optimist, you could say things are always getting better. Now, I'm not in that camp. Usually the people who keep telling me things are going to get better have a definite vested interest in saying that. Like that old saying, progress is our most important product. Or DuPont, the giant chemical company's slogan, better living with chemistry. Or maybe it was better things for better living. Positively, do I love her? Absolutely, positively, absolutely, and how? Is she nifty? Positively, under 50, absolutely, positively, absolutely, a wow! And was she hard to get? Did I say no? And does she love to pet? Oh, 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 baby, does she love me? Positively, do I love her? Absolutely, positively, absolutely, and how?
Now, when it comes to better things for better living, it's a long-standing debate whether Americans are living better. Statistically, life expectancy has dropped in this country. Of course, some would say it doesn't matter how long you live, but the quality of how you live. In the consumerist world, living better means you're getting more. Often, the measurement amounts to having more stuff than your next-door neighbor. Then again, on the other side of the coin, there are those who say everything should be the same. I don't like the greed that the consumerist world produces, but at the same time, I believe in the laws of nature that say nothing remains the same, and things are always changing. Things are always changing because nothing is equal. So really to attempt to make everything the same is against the principles of the natural world. And personally, I wouldn't want to live in a world where everything is the same. And I certainly don't want greed to be the motivation for living either. Consumerism produces corruption and violence whereas equality is unattainable. Making everyone equal in a society can have many motivations, especially if based upon guilt. If you want to make things equal because of injustice, that can be a difficult thing to achieve. Let's say if someone seriously injures another person physically, then that injured party should be compensated. Usually in our society, it's done monetarily. But money can never make whole what has been lost. In some societies, guilt is resolved by revenge, like that saying, an eye for an eye. So making things equal is maybe unattainable. In this country, injustice has a long history, and to correct those injustices by making everything equal may not be possible. The fact of the matter is, nothing is equal. Of course, there's no reason to intentionally make things unequal. But I'm not like you, and you're not like me. Engagement ring you're seeing, my regular gal. 
And if her eyes are baby blue And they seem to smile at you You're still my regular gal If she's kind, if she's sweet To the kiddies on the street You're seeing my regular pal And if you see that certain sheep Rolling on and on with me You're seeing my regular gal exist in American society? Well, it's nearly impossible to believe any society free of inequity. That's why we should all be respectful of one another. For some time now, I've been telling you that slavery didn't end with Lincoln's signing of the Emancipation Proclamation in 1862. No, you're the new slaves to a new system which makes you want more. The economy which demands that you consume, making you nothing more than a tool. Well, politicians will tell you they're going to give you equity by increasing what you take home on your paycheck. But that ain't equity when one percenters hold over 42.5% of the national wealth. According to inequity.org, about 3.29 million people hold 42.5% of our national wealth, while 325.7 million people have approximately 57.5% of the wealth. The one percenters have 26.5 times more wealth than the bottom 99%. So when politicians say they're making things more equitable by passing the hour minimum wage, they're simply keeping inequality, trying to perpetuate the system. Now, I'm not a socialist. I'm an artist trying to tell you what the future will look like. Some would say I'm a top-down economist where the wealth from the top trickles down to those living at the bottom. 
Well, I should be corrected. I think the top-down economy is in our future. But with everybody at the top coming down to the bottom, that's not revolutionary because some statisticians say no other country has so much wealth concentrated in the hands of so few. I recognize the wealth disparity in this country, but I'm pretty sure enormous wealth by a few exists in lots of other countries. I don't agree with that either. The thing about our wealth disparity was bred by the consumerist economy, and it's dangerous because it has spawned not only corruption, but greed and violence. people live has a lot to do with whether they're content. It's no exaggeration to say this is a violent country, and it's the reason why gun sales are at record numbers. In just the first six months of 2020, approximately 19 million firearms were sold, representing one firearm for every 20 Americans. According to the Brookings Institute, three million more guns were sold in the spring of 2020. And without verification, anecdotally, I suspect few, if any, of the people who bought those guns did so with the intention of using them to commit a violent crime. Although it is true that in 2018, 16,000 plus murders were committed in the United States. But that was less than half the number of murders committed in Mexico, with 36,000 plus, or 
nearly one quarter the murders that existed in Brazil, with 57,000. Yeah, in America, I don't think someone goes to a gun store to purchase an assault weapon to hold up a liquor store. But then again, people don't purchase a weapon because they're content. They probably do so because they aren't content and believe they need protection, and they think owning a gun will eliminate their fears. It's true, while driving on the streets of Los Angeles, it's not an unheard of incident of road rage, with a citizen discharging a handgun at another motorist for having flashed a wrong gang sign. Using or involving physical force with the intent to hurt, damage, or kill someone, or something, has made Americans question their own security. Now, personally, I've known people who would be repulsed by the thought of going to a 7-Eleven convenience store and sticking a 38 short snub pistol at the head of a cashier, demanding the money in the cash register. But they wouldn't mind shooting a next-door neighbor for playing loud rap music all night long. No, contentment isn't what historians will say about America's 21st century. And we're already a fifth of the way through. don't believe there's any reason to be afraid, then you've been living in a fantasy world. Fear is a natural, genetically transmitted emotion. And that's why gun sales in this country have been breaking records. Now, the politicians and their propagandists are going to tell you to keep calm, because everything is going to get back to normal. That's why, behind the scene, the people in the know kept saying, there is an emergency, and $2 trillion were needed to borrow from the government. That was already $27 trillion in debt. Usually, when someone or something borrows that kind of money, it takes time to figure out where to get it. But... That doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. If the American people need $1,400 deposited into everybody's bank account, that isn't a problem. In fact, 
That's just a small portion of the $2 trillion going out the door. The big money is designated for cities and states that need cash to keep operating, paying government employees and services. No, you ain't got anything to worry about, because our government isn't really bankrupt. It can print fiat paper money at record speeds. And when they run out of paper to print, they'll start using cardboard. Hell, you won't need to use fiat paper money. Just cut up some cardboard boxes you got lying around the house and go down to your favorite grocery store and pay for all your groceries with cut-up pieces of cardboard. No, you haven't anything to be fearful of. Because when that $1,400 runs out, they'll have a new batch of greenbacks waiting for you. They've got it all figured out. Soon, COVID-19 is going to be in the rearview mirror. And we're all going to get back to normal again. Consuming is just around the corner, and it's just what the doctor ordered. Yeah.
This week on Garner Isn't, you heard music from the 1920s. First, the New Orleans Wanderers, 1926, Perdido Street Blues. Then, the Six Jumping Jacks, Positively, Absolutely, 1927. Followed by Ben Sylvan and his orchestra, My Regular Girl, 1927. Then Nick Lucas and his crooning troubadours, You're Driving Me Crazy, 1929. Again, a shortcut from the New Orleans Wanderers, Perdido Street Blues, and in closing, Gertrude Lawrence's recording from the 1926 Broadway musical of George and Irwin Gershwin's OK, Someone to Watch Over Me. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.